Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. G'day and welcome to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. Today we are recapping all of the action across the Community Series preseason games. So much to talk about. I've changed my team a million times. Let's go! G'day and welcome again to the Ball Boys AFL Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Mitch Casey, and you can find me on Twitter at Ball Boys Fantasy. Joined, as always, uh, the the man who missed out on the uh, content creators all-star team, Luke Rogerson. <laughs> How are you, mate? I'm good, but I feel as though we've been left with more questions than answers after it watching these. feels that way. Games. It feels that way. There's a few players who had been sitting in my team for 99% of the preseason that now uh, yeah, either stunk it up or rolled their ankles and, and things like that. So there's question marks for the first time on then. Some players who I wanted decisive decisions all put their hands up. So it's sort mm. of like, okay, no one really separated themselves from something. So, yeah, I mean, we'll try and give our takes on some of these things. Yeah, but yeah. It's hot off the press yeah. too. We only just finished hot watching the last game. Hot off the press. Very, too, so. uh, just, yeah, like I said, just finished that North and St. Kilda game to get this out to you guys. So let's just go into it. I think we will we'll say in this one, we are going to be doing a rookies podcast next podcast in, yep. a, in a couple of days' time. So in the interest of trying to keep this one semi-brief, uh, we're going to be excluding the rookies and the cash cow. So players under 300Ks, we're probably not going to talk about too much in this podcast, focusing on the, I guess, premiums and mid-prices yep. with our separate podcast focusing on those rookies because there are a few rookies that we do need to obviously pencil in there and um, a lot of round zero will dictate that as well. Let's start with the first game. Let's take our minds all the way back to Tuesday and talk Richmond-Collingwood, mate. Richmond and Collingwood. Anything so- in particular jump out at you? Well, the first thing, I mean, this will be the cheapest player we talk about today because he just crossed over that 300k mark, but Finn McRae, I don't think he's going to be there. I also don't think if he is there, he's locked into that best 22, and he's definitely a big sub-risk. So for me, with a few other guys putting their hand up, I think he's someone that I am, unless he comes out and just dominates opening round and his score is going to be right up there, I think uh, he's someone I've pretty much put a pencil line through him at the moment. Yeah, he's just a victim of the team that he's playing at, isn't he? Yeah, hard to break into that premiership side. Dacos was Dacos, played 57% game time and scored like an 85, so... He's snuck into Oxlong training. I know he has, yeah. Despite my best efforts to keep him out. It's it's normally a no Dacos zone this preseason, but he's just lurking. This just in, Nick Dacos is a good footy player. Uh, (laughs) So, breaking news. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so, did we learn much? I don't think so. Were we reminded that he's just a fucking gun? Mm. Yes, maybe. It's been a little while since we've watched footy, obviously. Surely Finn doesn't start the year in that Hawthorne team. 
Yeah, but he could just come back in for that that one game. <laughs> so good you know, too. that that one game. They won the game that they versed them last time when he was taking him. Yeah. So, but yeah, it is. You know, it raises the question. Obviously, if you were trying to go against him and you saw him play, it's it is it's reality now. Like yeah. it's like, yep, this is what I'm going to be missing out on for at least these first you know six rounds or so. Yeah, but um, I don't think we learned anything new with Dacos. He was a full, basically full time midfielder. Um, so maybe that's something we can learn. Um, so yeah, I think uh, the other thing from the Richmond point of view, mm. Liam Baker, he was touted to play a bit more midf- midfield time. Two centre bounces for the entire game. Yeah. Uh, played mostly forward. Yeah, it really I just, hurts his socks, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't think I don't think you can go there. But a guy who did soak up a lot of midfield time was Thompson Dow. Um, he tied the most with eleven CBAs in this game. Found a lot of it, but. Again, a bit more of that like Nat Fife mold in terms of he's like that inside Jacob Hopper sort of type where yeah. handball happy, um, didn't have the greatest of scores. So whilst the inside mid role I think is real, I think he'll be in there with Taranto, Hopper, Prestia, Dusty, like those five are sort of your main group. Yeah, he's mid only and at an awkward price in that yeah, midfield. Yeah, what is he too. at? 400k. 400k, yeah. So, so he's, I mean, he's similar to Husweight, who we've been talking yeah. about. He's getting a little bit of midfield time at Hawthorne as well, but yeah. Um, just, yeah, in that awkward price bracket. Yeah, I mean, it definitely is value, but I, I personally don't think he's enough value to use a midfield spot on him. So, yeah, not, not too much to talk about with both of these teams. Obviously, two teams with the early round buys. So mm. I don't think that anyone really screamed pick me in these uh What do you think of Shorty? Game. I mean, Jaden Short was solid. He had 92. I did yeah. note that his kick-ins weren't... Um, like, he had nine the most, but Rioli still had four. Broad had one. Gipkis had one. Camden McIntosh had one. I think he'll be good. I think he'll be a little bit of value, but... For me, it's still not enough. There's also um, quite a few guys around that kind of between 800 to like Sheasel then at 870k right in around there that yeah. we kind of like the look of, I think, maybe a little bit more than Shorty. Yeah. Um, but there's always the opportunity in that price bracket to then uh, pivot across if you find that you're on the wrong one and he yeah. starts popping. But yeah, yeah, early buy as well. So Yeah, no, so for me, not, not too much to see and gather from this game here. Just ruling a couple of players out in McRae and Baker, who if you had on your sort of list before, I'm, I'm not not liking what I'm seeing too much. Let's go to Melbourne and Carlton where there are a few uh, talking points here. The yeah, first sure. talking point is the fact that Zach Williams didn't play in this game. So he didn't play a single preseason game that we could watch, but he did play yeah. in the VFL Pracky match, which I think was before this one. So all reports are that he came out of that one unscathed. I don't really know what this means. Um, is it is it meaning that he's going to be there for us in the opening round and we'll get a look at him? Given um, that he hasn't played a preseason game, if he is there in opening round, what's your line, the line? and the role? <laughs> oh, the line and the role, man. He's got the round two. I It's moved up. Yeah. I think before I would have accepted like a 70 to 75. I think it's probably gone up another 10 to 15 points. I'd want to see like 85, I think. We're a little he's still unsure. still priced so cheap though. Like he's he priced at like 40, I think. So, And given we're a little unsure in the back line as well. The, the It would depend on what you could do yeah. with that mix around as well. It's, um, it's really tough um, in there because if, if you're not going him at say D5. Yeah. Are you going all the way to Yo at D five? Yeah, a guy, obviously a guy that could could be there round one is Windhager potentially. Yeah. With you the, haven't you seen reckon, him, the broken hand, the broken hand. So that would be a tough 
tough, tough one. call. Kadeen Coleman's got the same round two bye. He's more expensive. Yeah. It's a tough one. It's it, there's, a lot tough. Of, there's a lot of things moving around, and, yep. and he, he's going to be a, a big kind of like turning point for a lot of teams on whether or not you... I mean, I'm almost hoping... This is a sicko in me, but I'm hoping he's not there round zero, and then I'm just I just can't pick him. Just you know, I, I yeah. just won't pick him if he's not there round zero. The decision's out of my hands. I'm not going to pick a guy who hasn't played round zero, even if he's named round yeah. one. I won't pick him if he's there and he scores like a seventy-five. Like it'll, it'll be a tough decision just off yeah. the back of lack of those preseason <laughs> games. But yeah, interesting one. Uh, no Sam Walsh as well. Apparently, yep. I saw a report today that he has been doing laps and not training with the main group. So. Uh, the wording is that it would be a surprise if he is there in opening round. So, again, I've said it before, but I think you, just, you just can't pick him um, off the back of no sort of preseason games, and he's not cheap like a Zach Williams to take that risk. Something uh, interesting here, we're talking about uh, defender options and, and mm. where we're going here. Um, Christian Salem. Yes. So... We, this is a legit option. Well, this I is think. this is the weird thing. Hey, we noted that in the for, in the match sim, he yes. didn't come on until later, but he played that exclusive midfield role, and we thought, well, it would be weird to put weird him in to, there if yeah. the intention wasn't to be. And then we saw um, that apparently he's a tackling beast. He's a tackling beast. Nine tackles in a pra- in a practice game, which seems you know very high. So um, this is something where where if we didn't have the what's Clary doing hanging over our head, this this seems like a very good pick in my opinion. Yeah. A guy that you can pick as a backman that would be underpriced for a guy that you think could go nine mid-90s in the midfield. Oh, yeah, it would seem that way. He's done mid-90s before on a half-back roll. So is it exclusively the Clary thing that makes this sketchy? It, the, the Clary thing adds an element of where we're not sure. I think the wording is at the moment that he more than likely will be there round zero. I yeah. think he's ticking all the boxes. Um, so, And I believe that to be the case. However, like he was the number one CBA attendee in this preseason game. <laughs> yeah. He was ahead of Viney. He was ahead of Petrarca. Um, and then there was a pretty decent gap down from those three down to Tom Sparrow who was next so I believe and again it will be a watch in round zero but I believe that they have made this move and they talked about wanting a bit more sort of better entry inside forward 50 you know Oliver and those sort of types kind of just hack it in there Um, whereas you know uh, Salem might be a bit more of a uh, cleaner user get him up the ground a bit um, Something that's interesting statistically as well, I've just pulled up Melbourne CBAs from last year. Obviously, Oliver, Oliver when he was there, was the leading averaging CBA guy. Then you go Viney, Petrarca, um, you go to Sparrow then. And then in the latter half of the year, Brayshaw actually... He jumped you know, back in. He did. Yeah. He went up at around 60% CBAs from what I can see here. So I and could easily see that being Salem's role. James Jordan had a little bit as well. So oh, and he's gone. If, yeah. Exactly. So Harms if it's would have just been in a, there too, surely. Harms was the next guy down, but yeah. had very few. Um, but yeah, if that's if they've just gone, okay, well, we've lost three guys that had CBAs in the back half of the year. We insert Salem in there, even if he's a 60% CBA guy. Mm. You know, yeah, and he's got the he's got the early buy round, but it's around six. Yes, so could you go him up to round six, trade him across to Dacos? You know, bada bim, bada boom, you're out. You you're good to go. It could be. Um, I, I don't mind the option. I'm definitely he's one of the main players that I'm going to be watching in these early round zero games. Yeah, for sure. Um, to see what he scores like and to see if um someone like an Oliver is back in there. Yeah. Does his role hold up? I, at this age, think it will. I think he'll be sort of that fourth midfield guy behind Viney, Petrarca, and Oliver. Um, and I do believe that could be a decent enough role for him. 700K, so I think he's priced at, what's that, about 77. Um, so, yeah, if he goes 
mid nineties, low nineties even. That's that's a pretty solid pick in my opinion, because yeah. especially because he had that accelerated cash generation early on. Uh, someone who dominated, Max Gorn, <laughs> just absolutely came out and reminded everybody yeah. why he is, you know, just the basically one of the best rocks in the game. He um, one hundred and thirty. He only had two tackles, um, and he skilled, scored 130, kicked two goals, racked up 24 touches, um, just smashed it. Surely with everything that happened ruckwise this weekend, it gone to come into a lot of teams. His ownership has spiked, it. I think. Yeah. Um, and look, I had him as an ace on the deck of DT for a reason, and this is, this is exactly what I... Yeah. Ex- well, not, I didn't expect a 130 in the preseason game, but we know he's capable yeah, he's of this. Um, so, yes, I think... It wouldn't surprise me if he is the number one, like owned ruckman by the end of round zero. It's I know funny what a week up can there, do, but it? yeah, yeah, it's definitely funny what a week can do. Absolutely. Um, and then Jack Billings. Talking about Jack Billings, he he's an option for us in the forward line. Now he scored all right. Scored an eighty-one. Had one goal in there. Got off the ground a lot. Five marks, four tackles. So you know, diversified stat line. Yeah. In. This afternoon, I was I was having a close look at Tom Powell from North Melbourne in a really similar price bracket there, and and yep. um, after Simkin got concussed, the Tom Powell CPA's just dried up. So yeah. I don't know whether that was related to the Simkin yep. concussion or what it was, but um, Billings is a guy that has sort of come into calculations as well. The early buy is a little bit unfortunate, um, but like historically, he's been a guy that even you know not in a juicy CPA role has been able yep. to give you eighties um, and priced at. Something that is not eighty, uh, yeah. I think he can be value. Something. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, down the sixty mark, I think. So, mm. um, look, he, he played he played a bit of wing and half forward. So I think the previous game he was more exclusively in that half forward role, but I think he moved a bit up into the wing on this game. Which um, I don't know is that a good or a bad thing? I think wings we we always sort of don't yeah. like to see that, but I think he can make that role really well. Like that's been something he's done at the Saints before and scored. High 80s, 90s in the wing wrong before. So, still someone to watch in the uh, round zero games. I think there's a few other forwards later that impressed me more that just uh, put their hands up a bit stronger for me. Um, but again, if he comes out and dominates an early round zero mm. game, um, you might be able to just ride that cash generation and sort of get away with it. And again, round six, ride it to his buy and then easily just trade him out. It's not yeah. too much of an issue to... to you know, you don't have to hold him through that buy round, so it's not that much of a deterrent for me if, if that cash generation is there early. If he gave you that eighty-one in round zero, do you think he'd go? Eighty-one might not. Might not I don't enough. think that would do it. I think if he, if okay. he went maybe ninety, ninety-five, like he just yeah. had a pop game, that might make me turn Fair my enough. head. Um, I don't think eighty-one is quite enough. I think that's just maybe under twenty points above his price stat figure. Yeah. So it's good, but it's not enough for me to bypass the options that I feel like were a bit more eye-catching, personally. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Beautiful. Should All right, let's talk about, about yeah, Sydney and Brisbane. The first thing to note here is that mm. Taylor Adams did get injured in this game, and it's reported that he's going to miss the first four rounds, effectively the first five rounds. Although, I don't know when they've reported that, if they've taken into account 
round zero when they say first four. Well, regardless of what regardless, he's missing, the guy who's not going to be up, yeah. Yeah, well, two guys perhaps, Errol, for anyone who was even considering Errol, even with that early boy, he's, a, he's an absolute gun. But James Jordan yes. is a guy that we were talking about early preseason. We kind of stopped talking about him a little bit, just unsure about how deep that Sydney midfield would go. Well, it was confusing but... in that first game, and it's still confusing now, but there's enough bodies out with obviously the Parker injury yeah. and now Taylor Adams that you don't have to question it, at least for those first few rounds anyway. And um, you can sort of just figure the rest out later with a player like James Jordan. So The fact that he went above 110, 119, yeah. and is priced at um, 50, he's obviously a guy that can find the pill. Yeah, um, racked it up. I think from... Yeah, he had the highest disposals in the entire game. He had 31, McCluggage had 31. The next best was Errol Goulden with 24. So... Clearly found the ball a lot. He saw he saw a little bit of um, CBA time. I didn't have bit. eyes on this one. I was just looking at the stats, but yeah. um, you watched a little more closely. There was a I little did. bit of CBA time in there, but majority wing roll? Majority wing roll. Um, yeah, I think roughly about 30%, I think, in there. Um, but Tyler Adams did play about a half of the footy, so maybe that does see, yeah. still see room to rise up a little bit. So I think all, all signs, it's a positive for James Jordan. And um, unless he comes out and lays an absolute turd in, in round zero... Um, he's firming to be a pretty strong pick in that forward line. Can I quickly circle back to to Errol? I know there's the early buy there, but does he come into calculations at all with guys like Laird and Brayshaw? Having question marks on a few other guys. So we're we're obviously going to talk about um, both of those guys later on as well, but when there starts to be question marks, those kind of premium midfielders, we've seen to be running out of options that don't have flags (laughs) on them. Yeah, it kind of sucks because all all the ones that don't have the early buys... Uh, maybe besides Bont, who is priced at like 118, yeah. um, there are just those little like they're not you know huge things, but just little things that maybe you don't want to question. Except for these young guys in Tom Green and Errol Goulden who have those early buy rounds, and yeah. uh, they they just look to be doing picking up where they left off. And so if you did want to go there, I personally am not doing it. I'm going to try and stick to my rules, but. Okay. There's a world where it works. There's a world where he just goes so big, so strong. He's going to be a captain option. Um, you know, you give up one round and maybe you can get a decent score and loop it on. You can play with a few rookies that might go go off. And there's a world where it's a great pick. Uh, I'm not going to definitely say that you can't do it. I'm just going to say, personally, I'm not going to do it. It makes but, sense. I mean, yeah. going against him worked really well for you last year. So that's probably good by yeah, you. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Rub that in. Rub that in, mate. <laughs> Fond memories. Uh, um, <laughs> let's talk about another guy that I might be going against um, who didn't score very well and helped my case here. Yeah. Grundy, poor score. What do you have? 51 in this game. But I will, you know, as someone who's down on Grundy compared to maybe the consensus, I will yeah. say he didn't play a huge amount of time on ground. He had about 60% um, tog in this game. So you see the 51. It's alarm stations. Um, now... How much should people be panicking with this? Is it, you know, obviously a lot of people might be reactionary and go, granted Gorn, if they didn't have that option. Yeah. But then we'll talk about the other Ruck player later in this line in Cherry, who also maybe didn't, you know, maybe underwhelmed a little bit as well. So what are your thoughts on Grundy? Does this change your mind about him? Does this sort of like cement where you were already thinking? What do you, what do you reckon? It probably confirms a little bit more of what I was already thinking. But for people who were high on Grundy, I, I think it's only alarm stations depending on what you expected from him. Mm-hmm. Like if, if you were pie in the sky stuff, like he's back to his 120s, then I would probably be a little alarmed at this score. But if you were expecting, you know, high 80s, 
low nineties from him, then yep. I'd say, okay, well, you know, fifty on low time and ground. Yeah. Um, also, against um, against the Lions, the big O, I think, is notoriously good at at um, yeah, stopping some rocks. So. He, he he has been, but I know looking at some of the stats and and things like that for rocks more recently, the back half of last year, the it's big O did slow down considerably. Okay. Gave up a few big scores at the end of the season. So, um, I don't know how much weight that narrative necessarily holds true, but definitely in Grundy's matchups against him, he has held him to some poor scores in the past. Um, In saying that, he still had the clear role. He was the highest CBA attendee out of um, Sydney's team, even on those 60% um, 60 time on ground. So he's got the number one ruck role. That hasn't changed. He was just managed in terms of his minutes out there. Um, And uh, obviously, he's going to have to go up against Max Gorn. And, you know, I think when this game went on about a week's time, so... um, not much of a turnaround, so fair enough that they sort of rested him. You're going to get another look at these guys. And this is interesting. Yes. I sort of thought, like, we'll talk about uh, another player in a second, like, who didn't perform well in a Sam Flanders. Imagine this was the last game yeah. for these guys, and Horrible. you had to make a decision after that, and we didn't get another look. But thankfully, with this round zero, you do get that extra look, uh, even though it does suck that they miss a round. Um, at least you get a bit more data. Kitty Coleman is a guy that you've been a no on all preseason, and then you He's come to me on spend what, a bit of time Wednesday, Thursday night. You go, big Kitty Coleman guy. <laughs> Just love him. Get him in your team. This what's is, what's this changed? Is, man? Well, this is more a reaction to the Zach Williams scenario because when you go a Zach Williams out and you're trying to find other value options, <clears throat> there's not too many options that I go, I love it. And the way you were talking about him, mate, you'd think he was Kadeen Brownlow, not Kadeen Coleman. I so. not popped up that much, but you know he he looked good and he, he started the game really well. I think you've got a stat to throw out in terms of his quarterly scoring breakdown. But no kick-ins was the other thing in this one here, um, yeah. which I found interesting. Um, like he still scored all right with a ninety-one, and at his price tag, that would be excellent. Seventy-four yeah. percent time on ground. You'd expect that to be a little bit higher as well. So I think it's a solid performance. Um, it still will come down to the round zero score, but because Zach Williams, there's doubts there. I think having Kadeen there more is more. It makes more sense for me now than it did before because you can still have that one guy who's got that early buy around because there are a few other value options that have fallen over. Um, I do think he's underpriced. It'll just depend on that early buy around to see if you can maybe wait a week and not have to to jump on in your starting squad and just how the structure of your team maybe shapes up. But yeah, he's still, he's still someone that I'm considering. Well, he is someone I'm considering now, maybe more seriously than before. I'm still not quite a hundred percent sold. And, and what you referenced before was just the breakdown of his stats across the quarters there. So he started red hot with 41 in the first quarter, and then he gave 16 in, in the second quarter, 23 in the third, and then 11 in the fourth. Again, I didn't have eyes on that game. So maybe the 11 in the fourth, maybe he's rested at the end there. So someone <clears throat> I'm sure can fill in the blanks for us and, and paint the narrative behind those scores. But like seeing the different scores throughout the quarter kind of, um, reminds me of what looking at his scoring across the whole year was like mm. from last year. It yeah, was, it, was, it, it was up and down a fair bit. It was. There was kind of no rhyme nor reason. So um, The other flags yeah. are there was no Connor McKenna in that game as well still. So he didn't play the last game, didn't play this game. And well, I think you said before, you would want to see him have like a, a high share of those kick-ins as well for someone like that yeah. to enter your squad. Flip side, he's also Who was taking the kick-ins? Uh, it was Wilmot. I think it was... Um, who else was it? I think Zorko got a couple, weirdly enough. There was some... Uh, I think it shared around a fair bit. Yeah, Payne. Yeah, Barry had one. Madden had one. 
So yeah, a bit of a, a mix of different players. But I mean, yeah, he didn't have a single one, which I thought was strange. There's two ways to look at that, isn't there? Yeah, if he does get kick-ins yeah. now, he's got more upside. Um, or yeah. at least that floor maybe is a little bit lower. And with some of those quarterly scoring breakdowns, I do think he does still present with a kind of scary floor, um, which is not always what you want to see. Um, Angus Sheldrick, really quickly. Some people threw the name out there. I I don't think I can get around this. I think it's a pretty easy pass for me. I know he was solid for us last year, but he's more expensive now. He scored uh, 60 with 9 CBAs and 78% time on ground. So his knock was his low time on ground beforehand. Didn't score in a higher time on ground. This I think it's just too unreliable in a midfield line where we do have a lot of better options, I think, to choose. So anything else to add about uh, Sheldrick? Or? The only little thing might be that the stock's up when Taylor, know, Adams. Taylor Adams is out. Yep. And they... they get the time to think about a more permanent rotation, whether yep. he's more involved there. But we, like you say, we get a look. So Yeah, we get a look. And look, I mean, if he comes out and knocks out a 130, absolutely, you can have a look at it just based on his price. But um, until then, I, I'm not super seriously considering a Sheldrick in my squad. Let's talk about GWS versus Gold Coast. And let's talk, bang, bang, the Sex Pistol. He comes out and he knocks up a 115 for us. And just... Like, we've, we've got to go there, right? Like, unless he comes out and scores, again, a real big dud in opening rounds, he, he's a lock, right? Yeah, I still think there's, there is a little bit of um, concern over the moist run and what that does for an attacking halfbacker over the start of the season. But at, the, at his price, with what he's shown that he's able to do in that role yeah. that they've got him in, I, I think, yeah, you have to go there. The fact that I saw him take the second most amount of kick-ins and Will Powell was back there as well. So Powell took the most. Yeah. Sex, uh, Sexton took the second most. And there was a big drop back down to Connor Buderick, who I think only had one or two. Um, to me, is a very good sign. The scoring is great, obviously. 11 marks. Now, he scored 115. We're not expecting that. But he's priced at I am now. 300 and what, 90 or odd. So he just needs to go, you know, he's priced 60, at 42, so. yeah, like 65, 70. Yep. And that's an awesome, awesome job. And I yep. think um, there's no reason I can't see him doing that based on what we've seen in the two games so far. So yep, sure. Um, happy to lock him in unless he puts up an absolute stinker in round zero. Uh, on the flip side, I think Connor Buderick stocks down a little bit. I think Powell coming back affected him more than it did um, Sexton. Yeah, He just seemed to be like the third kind of option in a backline that had a few other guys. It sort of reminded me a bit of that like Bulldogs backline where they had like Ed Richards, Dale, um, Johannesson and those sort of types. Like you can't fit too many of them in. So um, Sexton's obviously the cheapest one. And so it's fine to fit him in, but the other guys, I don't know if they're going to be able to step up enough. Now you you were uh, you were ready to hold a funeral on Thursday night, I think, for for this next guy. Yes, talk, talk to us about. Splendid. Yeah, he um he didn't really. The role was the thing that yeah. concerned me more. So he scored fifty seven, but the CBA's definitely dropped now. Um, Humphreys came in and did a little bit more, but there was just a clearer separation between the top three and Flanders, who was the fourth guy. Yeah. Whereas in that first week of practice matches, it was sort of the top four separating from the, the rest. Yeah, um, and we, we were sitting there two weeks ago almost thinking that 
he was more in the top three than any of the other. Yeah, like three he might have been in there more there. than Anderson, or yeah. <laughs> so but it just kind of it uh, went by the wayside. And this is interesting because even when he was scoring big at the end of last year, the the huge CBA role wasn't necessarily there. there. We got Dimmer coming in now. We do. There's a different game plan, but there's it's one game as well. That's the tough yeah. thing is you're going off. Yeah. And this is the guy, like I referenced before, with Grundy. If this was all we were going to go off, mm. it'd be a quite tough decision, in, in my opinion, because you've got two games where I think have different narratives. So yeah. you don't really have a clear kind of knowledge of what his role would be. I think if it was just off this game, I might be inclined to fade him with that early round buy. Yeah. But if he does come out and have, have a better role in that opening round where you know points are up for grabs, scores you know 95-100 in that game, I'm still happy to go there and just put this down to sort of preseason experimentation and things like that. They also got smashed in this game. Like, yeah. it wasn't very pretty. Um, yeah, they just... They were dominated at contests. And, yeah, it, it didn't, didn't look great, especially sort of second, third quarter. Um, so I think that that also drops his numbers down a little bit as well. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting one. Definitely a big watch in round zero. One of the biggest, I think, actually, of the whole weekend. What if his role stayed as it was this weekend, just gone, but the score was there? I would feel much more comfortable still having him on my side. Again, okay. we're looking for a role. Now, scoring is something. It's not zero, but mm. it is always a role. <laughs> as we'll talk about with the last game of the round. <laughs> Useless. Um, yeah, so I think, I think the role definitely swings me... Because it's drop in CBAs and drop in points. Yeah. Um, Tough up. There's, there's a little bit more of a red flag. The red flag's a bit redder in that one there. The only player at Giants we can maybe talk ourselves into is the big man himself, Tom Green. He looks like he was just in cruise control. Mm. He got 107. Um, is it, does it change your mind at all? No, not for me. I'm going to be a little bit stubborn, I think, at this point in the preseason. If, not, if I haven't... Um if I haven't really been on someone and nothing's really changed, then yeah. it would um, yeah go against go against my thinking. If you had to choose Goulden or Tom Green, who are you going? Goulden. I think I would too. Yeah. Well, the buy is later. A bit later. You've got those other injuries. And I just love watching Aaron Goulden. He's a thirsty, thirsty boy, isn't he? Um, <laughs> thirsty yes, boy. I think he. I think he is probably my pick of the two. Uh, Tom Green's got a safer role, but I also think he had a really safe and great role last year, and I don't know how much circumstances can improve for Tom Green. They were good. Like, did he lead... Am I right in saying he led the, the comp in disposals? Oh, I'm not sure, I'm not sure on the disposals, well, but I, think, I know... I think he, he might be right up there, either yeah. one or two, so... The CBAs are in yeah. the mid-80s, which is... So, yeah, it's going to be hard to, to top that, uh, I think, again. Uh, Geelong versus Essendon. First off, before we start talking about players that we're actually going to pick, Jordan Ridley looks like he's injured his quad, and um, I don't think he's going to be there round one. Um, so that might affect some of the backline plays. Namely, Nick fucking Martin. He uh, he had the role, man. He had the yeah. role. He had the scoring. Yeah, I think the cat's out of the bag. I mean, we're all already kind of pretty all over it. Um, he's not, I guess, a unique by any sense, but I think he's going to be a very popular starting mid-price option now with that score and that role. Definitely. Certainty to pretty much get DPP. Do we just have to have him? Oh, in my opinion, we do. I, I will acknowledge I don't think he's going to kick two goals and have 11 marks every game. No. So that massive, um, you know, don't expect a massive 120 ceiling every week. But um, like I think it, it's um, Papowski's website that um, talks about those worthwhile... Um, he just needs to go 95 or so. That's it with yeah. the, the anticipation of swinging back. And I don't, 
I don't feel, correct me if, if you um, think differently, but I, I don't feel that this is one of those speculating on DPP things. It's like, it unless, feels like a lock to Unless me. something yeah. were to go completely wrong or, you know, at Essendon yep. over the next couple of weeks, I, I just really feel like he's yeah. settled into and, that And you've role. got, obviously, Jordan Ridley going down helps that certainty of him staying in that defence. I think he might have to man up. Nope. <laughs> I do <laughs> not. he's capable of it? I don't think he can, nor will, nor wants to. Um, and I don't think Essendon cares either because they just want him to get the ball and he can definitely do that. So I yeah. think of those mid-price midfielders, that 700k range, and we'll talk about through the other options, I think I would be ranking him at the very top. Would you agree with that? Or is there others yeah. that you might he, go ahead of him? He led Essendon's metres gained as well, so it's not like he's just waxing back there. Yeah, he's um, actually impactful. He is, yeah. So um, mid-prices that we're talking about there, I yeah, think is you, a really interesting discussion. because you've So you've obviously got a couple of guys there that are guys that you might be looking at DPP, so him and Amon, Amon. but then you've also got guys, Crouch, Crouch Wines. Yeah. In that discussion as well. So of of those four, just in my opinion at the minute, he he's the one that I'd like to go. Yeah, um, I think I'd rank him one too. Not only because he's got DPP, but I actually think he's probably got a better ceiling. Yeah, I, I think he does. Yeah, he's the youngest of all of them, um, so he's getting better. Yeah, and yeah, he's just he just hunts it, man. He's got that Dacos mentality. Maybe not have quite the Dacos level of talent, but yeah, he's got that license and and mentality where he just yeah screams for it. Yeah, let's talk about. Uh, Geelong, Max Holmes is an interesting one. Yeah, not, yeah. not one that we've really talked about at all this preseason. Is he someone that you could consider? He's cheap. I think he's mm. around that Huss weight price tag. Now, he is mid only, yeah. but definitely played half back. He had some CBAs as well, so a bit of a mix. Um, what do you think about Max Holmes? I know, I know, actually, sorry, no, he's a bit more expensive than, yeah. than the Huss weight. He's at 685, so he's actually probably. Up Close near to that those, bracket. those brackets. And so I think that's what does it for more me. More expensive it, than I thought. It's interesting. He, he looked awesome in that role in yeah. the little that I saw, and, and I don't expect that to change. It seems as though it's something, a concerted effort. They want him bouncing off the half-back line. Um, yeah. But even, even when you dig into the stats, I think he ended up actually playing low time on ground because he, um, he came out a little bit early from the game. Here is his, uh, I've got it here. Um, he plays 65% time on ground and, yeah, nearly tunned up. What is it, 85, I think, in yeah. that time. That's that's pretty solid. I think it's solid. Uh, 88. It's definitely solid. The other way that I kind of looked at it as well, which, um, you know, just was a little flag, was if you have 29 touches, I'd probably want more than... Yeah, zero, from zero mar- uh, Sorry, zero tackles and only four marks. So you're gonna you probably change and they're a bit more direct now. Yeah, in that role, you're not going to get a heap of tackles. Um, but 29 no. touches bouncing off the halfback, you'd want that to be 100. Um, I'm not saying that he wouldn't be a good pick, but I just think that there's better options around the price. Yeah, it didn't have any kick-ins, and he did have CBA. So he's another one there as well where. You pick him with the DPP in mind, but I don't know if this one's a certainty like the Nick Martin. Because we don't get enough out of out of the cats to know yeah, what the, they're the thinking. The cats don't say anything, and also, like last, they had thirty fucking guys going through the midfield, yeah, so yeah. Uh, they they move things not only game to game, but sometimes within the games as well. Um, so you picking him if you're expecting to be able to move him back to defence. I don't know if that's a guarantee, and like I said. I, more expensive than I thought, <laughs> even just remembering at 685k, you, you yeah. want him again to go that 90 plus and get DPP. I think there are other options I'd prefer. The only thing I would say is that he did look right at Holmes down there, so that it would, be, it would be a tick. Yeah. Or right at Holmes, right. I missed that completely. Uh, what do you think, though, 
So I think he's a bump up in draft. But what do you think, though, Holmes yeah. affects Tom Stewart? Or do you think it affects Tom Stewart at all? Oh, I think it's maybe a little early to say, mm. but I think it's enough of a thing to think about that if you were picking Tom Stewart, because you weren't picking Tom Stewart for some unbelievable value. You were picking Tom well, Stewart to do... Yeah, he, he was a guy that you think is going to be top six. He's got a good run opening uh, to start the season. But yep. there was always that argument. He's got a little bit of value because of that inbuilt injury at the round one game where yep. he, I think it was a 14 or something. So he averaged after that 100. He's priced at 95. So you've got like a little bit there. But maybe is that no longer there? Is it? Are you kind of more or less paying for what you're going to get for Tom Stewart if you've got a upcoming player coming in, into a similar type position? Yeah, I, I'm going to reserve reservations on that one. Because mm. I think he's in a lot of people's teams. Um, and now, I don't, I don't worry about his performance there. Now, he didn't score very well. Uh, what did he have, like a 65 or something like that? He was just in cruise control. Uh, 61, kicked a goal as well. But he was, you know, I don't think I'm worried about his performance. But the emergence of Holmes maybe just tempers my expectation on him going above his price. Yeah, I think he'll, I think he'll do what, what he did last yeah, season, to be honest. I think honest. that's more... But it's, you're not, still not looking at a significant amount of value. No, I don't think so. I think... Uh, I Yeah, now from what we saw this afternoon, I think I'd be picking Sheezel before I pick I think I, I think there's a, a few other difference. guys that have stepped up for me and, and yeah. Tom Stewart hasn't necessarily stepped down, but I'm not as excited or as enthusiastic about him as maybe I was a couple of weeks ago. Let's go to Frio versus Port. Lots to it. talk about in this game yep. here. Um, let's, start, let's maybe start with the Port Adelaide... Power because fucking Zach Butters rolls his ankle in <laughs> the first air. quarter, not even on anyone, just stumbles his way at the back of a, a marking contest, I think it was, rolls his ankle, tweaks his ankle, I'll say. Yeah. Um, they put him on ice, doesn't play the rest of the game. He, what did he score, like 11 uh, in like five or whatever minutes he was out there? Yeah. It's what does this What does this mean? <laughs> what, how do we approach this? It's that, so horrible because no matter how minor it how minor that injury was, he was never going to take any more part in it. He's so done. He's done. Yeah. we sit here thinking, well, is it minor or is there a little bit more to it? Yeah. And, and they'll they'll come out and they'll say, no, no, you know, he would have played on. Yep. But then you ask yourself, well, I'm picking a guy that I effectively want to take the next step and be a premium, a gun premium midfielder. Yeah. Am, am I now paying a lot of money for someone who could come into the season underdone? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and like I said off the top of the show, he was a guy that had not moved from my side. I'd had him in my side basically the entire preseason. Yeah. And now I've just got this question. Um, personally, looking at the injury, looking at the vision, it didn't look very bad at all to me. Um, it looked like someone who's tweaked the ankle. He's jogged off. He's looked a little proppy, yeah. but he's proper jogged off. Um, and he's got, what, two weeks until that first game against West Coast. Mm. I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, true. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know if overreacting is the word, but like... If he spent all that time in my team and I like what I saw in terms of just the data and the numbers, yeah. is this enough for me to just go, yep, you're out, I'm putting someone else <laughs> in? Uh, and the other thing that's really annoying is it, it affects the rest of the rotations in the midfield in terms of getting a read on how much, yeah. you know, uh, Rosie and a Wines and, you know, Mead, who was in there more than I expected, True. Drew. Like, it kind of just muddles that data up a little bit. So, very frustrating, but I... Don't blame you if you want to just get him out of your team. But I also don't think that for me, I'm ruling him out of contention in my team, especially if we hear wording 
over the next week or so that he is training with the team in, yep. in full drills and things like that. And if it is something that really was super minor and he's not limited in training over the next week or so, he might stay in my team. But still some water to go under the bridge there. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I definitely echo those sentiments. Keeping with the Port Adelaide theme, yes. Ollie Wines, I think regardless of what happened to Butters, I feel like we were going to see the high CBAs of Ollie Wines. Well, it's, it's bang, bang. Like last week he was there. This week, obviously, uh, Butters is not there, but it was there again. Yeah. So with with that high CBA role, he managed to get himself to a 95, and I thought looked pretty good. Again, with options around that price, is he mm-hmm. someone that um, has made his way into Mitchmond? Well, he made his way into Mitchmond the last game, and he's okay. still there. Okay. Um, I think he ticked the boxes. I think I think he's a guy that, again, if we're talking about that ranking of those four players, to me, it's him and Crouch that are probably the two closest to yep. me. Um, at the moment, I would favour Wines because I have more certainty about his role in the squad in terms of just being a more important player in their team. Um, he's closer. He's not in any risk, I think, of being dropped or anything like Crouch maybe potentially is. I think his time on ground is going to be a bit higher. Yeah. The question rises from Port's scoring as a team them being the lowest scoring team last year from a fantasy points production point of view. But you can look at that over the positive and say, well, there's only room but to go up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. Um, where do we see his upside being? Like, what do you think his ceiling could be Like, at a high-end out- out- outcome? Do you think he could... If everything lines up, averages 100? Or I think if everything lines up, he could average 100. Um, but it would be... That would be a lot of things adding yeah. up, especially what we anticipate Butters and uh, and Rosie will do yes. there as well. So I think that perhaps what you got on the weekend is going to be like the high end of his scoring, and then it's going to be somewhere there between 85 and 95, mm-hmm. um, which I think the higher end of that will be enough. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's a guy that hopefully, if he can start a little bit better than that, uh, you, you capitalise. He's got West Coast round one, so that always helps. Could help, and you capitalise on a little bit of a price increase, and then maybe you get off while things are good. Yeah, so yeah, I think I think he, he ticked the boxes for me there. Rosie, what do we think about him? Is he someone who's elevated with this Butters injuries a bit more? or? Oh, I don't think we can say that he's elevated. I think Butters will play round one. And it's a, like you said at the start, it's a tough read because in the previous week, we actually saw Rosie play more forward time. Mm, we did. So I don't know now whether Rosie played... Uh, got a little bit more ball just because Butters was out. He was still whether... he was still behind Horn Francis and William Willem Drew. Now he played seventy three percent time on ground, but it's only three percent behind what Wines played, and Wines had six more centre bounce attendances. So I don't know. He played really really well. Um, he, he's a great player. Port Port were pretty dominant from memory in this they one, were. and it became a little bit of a training drill to finish. I as think well. they did rest him a little bit more down the back end of the game. Yeah, he only played 47% of the final quarter, so basically set out the second half of that final term. So Yeah, I, my thinking on, on Rosie hasn't sort of changed. I don't think I'm going to go there, but um, God, he's a good player. He's a great player. Um, and I think uh, I didn't get much of a strong read on Soldo versus Sweet. I think they both seem pretty even to me, um, but it just makes me feel like even if Sweet is named Solo Rock, at any on any week they could switch that. Um yeah, what are you doing? Oh, I just, no, I just thought it went sweet named Soldo Ruck. Soldo Ruck, yeah, no. Just had me confused. Uh, Simple to right, myself. Right there. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm going to... I'm not very likely to go sweet R3, I think, at this stage. Now, can we finally talk about the GOAT? 
Hayden Young. Hayden Young. Hayden Young. Lock him in, mate. There's not too much to discuss at all. What really? He has to be locked in. Two. Top CBA getter for the... For Two the goals, three. That could have been a 150. He dominated, right? And I think there was been some strong glowing co- uh, quotes from the coach coming out that he was one of the few players that rose to the contest. And um, Port Adelaide are hard to score against, aren't they? Yeah, not, not for the GOAT. <laughs> not for the GOAT that Hayden Young is. Seven tackles. He's uh, he's in there, man. I, I, he's got to be in there. He's got to... A few people panicked last, last week when he moved back to defence. No panic here. We always <laughs> believed in the great man. And uh, yes, lock him into your side. Don't even think twice about it throughout the keys. So yeah, he, he's all good. Brayshaw though. Yes. Maybe, maybe th- keep the keys. Keep the keys. <laughs> unlock the lock and get him out. <laughs> well, look, I still think he'll be good. Um, and it's not like he's going to go from someone who was like 75% to a, like a 40% CBA guy. But when you're paying 110, yeah. you want everything to be just zero top, question marks. No question you marks. You want to be yeeting those keys. Yes. And I don't can. know if we can. It's ease out of my side as we speak. Two games in a row where we've seen dodgy wing related stuff. Um, so that's, He'll still be good. Let me yeah, just. Yes, of course. Like, of course. He, he might even average 110. But I was picking him with the hope that maybe he can go that 114, 15, 16. Yeah, you want certainly. If that wing role is there, I don't see him pushing that up. Um, so I'm just going to take a punt somewhere else, I think, is my personal opinion. Um, yeah, just not exactly uh, what you want to see. The other player that we'll talk about from Frio. Yeah. Uh, and actually, two more. I probably forgot to put someone on the run sheet here. Um, Fifey. Yeah, can I lead the discussion on five? So yep. last week he played the half game, and I think the, the stat watchers um, were were giving us the information that he had twenty touches in the first half, which is yes. fantastic. He's obviously killing it, um, and the the CBA role is there. But even in um, you know from memory, even in the seasons where he was winning Brownlows, um, he, he wasn't like a one twenty fantasy guy. One hundred five is his ceiling best, a season best. And the thing is, you know, he's had twenty touches in the first half last week, and in this game he had. 26 touches, that's fantastic. What a game. He's only managed 58 from those 26 touches. Yeah. So the role's there. He's he's influential in terms of what he's doing, but just not from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. So it's You not pick like, him price at 55. Yeah. You want him to average 75. And that's so not, that means he's going to have to have some games in the 90s to and to off-weight like some of these games. Yeah. I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I'm certainly... I mean, if you have 26 touches in a game, there's every chance that you're going to have some ceiling scores because yeah. th- there'll be games there'll be where some. the tackles yeah. line up, the marks line up and those things. But I just look at that Frio mix in there now and I think, well, who's going to be doing the dirty work? It's Sarong. It's it's Hayden, Hayden Young. Young. Who's going to be popping out for the plus sixes? It's Brayshaw. It's yeah. Sarong now as yeah. well. So I think that Nat Fife just adds that element of inside class with just elite, you know... Uh, ball use by hand. He'll farm it out to those kind of guys as well. Um, but I just can't 100% sell myself uh, on the fact that, that he's going to go 75 plus. Uh, agreed. And then you've got the risk of, you know, potentially if the game's in no doubt, the the sub, subbing yes. him out, managing his minutes and things like that. It was good to see him play 75% time on ground. Yep. I think that's actually higher than I expected in a game like this. Um, but yeah, to me, I will change my mind if I see it in the season and the scoring is there. But for right now, I haven't seen enough for a five myself personally. Uh, last one here for this game, Jordan Clark. Mm. Did we see enough? Um, because with the defense line the way it is, it's it's difficult. 81 is probably one of the more difficult scores <laughs> yeah. to kind of yeah, get yeah, yeah. a read on because, again, we talk about not wanting to see scores. Uh, like, that's, that's not the, the thing, but 
when you price it, was he priced at like a high seventies kind of mark? Yeah, um, we need him to go more than eighty one. Is is the cut and drive? Yeah, the, he had four kick ins compared to Luke Ryan's seven. Um, so I've been a little bit more bullish than than perhaps you have. Yeah. with Jordan Clark, he he looks to me as though he has that distributor role of halfback. So I know there was a, a few years ago. I don't think I was playing fantasy, but he he had a big score in the preseason. A few people jumped on him and got burnt. I think that this is probably a better scenario where we've seen two games in a row where Hayden Young's going to be a midfielder. He's going to have that main distributor and he's going to do a little bit of sharing of the kick-ins with Luke mm-hmm. Ryan. Statline on the weekend, he's had six tackles, but two marks. He's not going to have six tackles every game, no. but he's also not going to have two marks every you would, game. You wouldn't think so. So, I don't know. Were Port tough for defenders to score against? It's well, tough for everyone it? to score against except for Rucks. Um, so... so that kind of an eighty-one. Can you look at that as somewhere between a ninety and a hundred? And yeah. he's going to have more than two marks. We do need to take it. That's a good point. That we do need to take into the fact there was a port matchup, and they are very restrictive. They don't let you take those uncontested marks. Yeah. Um. So that is definitely something to factor in here. I'm still very uncertain. Um. To me, his place in my team is going to be maybe dictated based on some of those round zero defenders in like a Christian Salem and a Kadeen Coleman and and some of those other options potentially. Yeah. Um, he's still in the mix. How would you rank some of those guys? So, say we're talking sort of like a, a Salem, yeah. a Clark, a Yo, uh, a Kadeen Coleman, a Rivers you might even want to throw in there. Some of those options up the top or in that sort of 600-ish kind of to 700K mark for defenders. Do you do uh, you have him at the top there? or? Uh, in my opinion, um, if the Salem role is good, like if the Salem role is a midfield role, mm-hmm. I think he... Has the best and safest ceiling he, he of, the, the top, of the three yeah. of them, and then I'd I'd have Clark, um, and then Coleman after that. I think that even though you're paying an extra sixty seventy k, mm. I mean around around two buy. Like of, is, of those two options, Clark is one without the buy. I think that weighs into it a little bit yeah. for me, and I I've been off Kitty Coleman all preseason as well. So I, I'm feels I'm a almost, bit like you're jumping into the something that you haven't really loved. And I think I'm almost to the point where I'm going to kind of. Um, yeah, you know, live or die by that take a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it's it's cool. a tough one. I, I find it really tough to get a gauge on Jordan Clark. Um, and I, yeah, when I can't get a gauge on it, I don't love to to jump into those kind of a pick. Yeah. Um, but he still has a chance to make to my team. And if someone was really hot on him and strong on him, I wouldn't definitely talk you out of it. Um, I, I might even still potentially go there myself. But he's definitely on one of those guys that is in and out a lot of my team at the moment, depending on where I need to make some cash and things like that. Let's hit this next game, hey? We're, uh, we're going to go for hours here. Why are we not talking rooks in this one? Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got fantasy-relevant games coming up, hey? Adelaide so. versus West Coast. Yep. Maybe the, the first one you'll see when you look at the stats on this one was Isaac Rankin. Yep. Kicked four goals, played lots of CBAs. He only played the first three quarters as well, so tunned up in three quarters, sat the fourth quarter. My question to you is, the roll tick, yep. right? yeah. Is the scoring sustainable for someone like a Rankin in a, in a game style like Adelaide and for what they're asking him to do and be in this in this team? My initial suspicion is no, but I don't know if that's because I've got him pegged as a player that he's not. I, that's my knee-jerk reaction too, but yeah, you, I wonder if that's maybe just historical kind of... Yeah, I, th- I almost feel like have I got him picked as just this small forward that's just going to provide burst in there when in actual fact he's actually an elite endurance beast and, and he's just been biding his time yeah. in the forward line. Obviously, the four goals is is not um, going to happen every week. And like we said, that this game uh, this game obviously was a training drill almost from the start for yes. Adelaide. keeping in mind he was <coughs> bursting West Coast. He was. Um, 
I think that it looks as though probably Adelaide, one goal a game. Would you say? Yeah, it looks as though Adelaide's pretty keen on that role. Um, but for me, in my mind, I'd probably need to just see it for a couple more weeks. Um, and I think priced at what's he priced at? Mitchell, he's a bit more up there. I think he's like a, seventy-four. Yeah. So if he started going bananas and a guy like um, Butters, LDU, Steele didn't do what we wanted, then it could be a, a guy that you could get onto. Yeah. But initially, my thought is just: did, did, Am I right in? I, I can't remember the stats of it, so but you I feel it to be like top six forward. I feel um, like Cosy Pickett. Um, did a similar thing to a lot of people yes, last year. Yeah, the, in the, probably was, might be a good comparison. Um, I think Cosy Pickett wasn't in as much as what we've seen Rankin, Rankin do so far. Yeah, and even like Rankin last year, we kind of have a thought that he was in there a bit last year. He really wasn't much at all. There was maybe one or two games at the start of the season. Mm. Um, but the other thing that also runs through my mind is that there are a few other guys: Pedler, Saligo, Rochelle. Yeah. Like Rankin, even you, you saw someone like Sam Berry in there a bunch this this time. I don't know if this is something that, despite us seeing it two games in a row in the preseason, that maybe in four games time, it's someone else. Well, at the end of the um, day, he's, he's only had eight CBAs out of twenty eight. Yeah, as well in three quarters. But yes, yeah, yeah. So uh, you'd probably there'd probably be double double digits if he played that fourth quarter. Um. So at this stage, I'm probably a no, like you. Yeah. Um, but definitely stocks up. I think if, oh, you, if sure. in draft you definitely bump him up, um, and even when the season starts, you, you keep an eye on him as maybe a pivot option. Yep. Uh, for some of those other guys, let's talk about Matt Crouch. Where would you? Again, we're going to refer to those big four midfielders because I think that'll be a question for a lot of people. Uh, big four mid-price midfielders: uh, Martin Crouch, Ollie Wines, Amon. Where does Crouch sit for you in that ranking? Is he ahead of Wines? I, th- I think the weekend probably put him slightly behind Wines. I think that Crouch's scoring potential is better, but the fact that I'm, I'm pretty confident that he's not going to play a really high time on ground role. That's my fear. Um, and I don't think the CBA percentage is qu- going to be quite as high as Ollie Wines. Like you think about the class that um, Adelaide have got running through that midfield. And I mean, obviously Port Adelaide have class as well. I, I get that too. Yeah. Um, but I just... I just don't see him being a huge time on ground guy and I probably don't see those CBAs creeping much over 60%. Oh, See, I reckon they could be over 60%. He was second behind Laird with 16 CBAs out of those 28, did you say? But Dawson... In 59% time on ground. So you tick that up another 10, 15% point. I think he's going to be up there. He might be sort of that 65% to 70% CBA guy. Dawson's going to have more CBAs than him. Yes, I, I think Dawson and Laird are going to be up there. So that comes off Crouch's CBAs. Well, I think but Crouch is the third, third guy. You're probably right. He yeah. probably is the third guy, and then it's just a, a mishmash of guys after that. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe. But He's a points-per-minute guy, but it's still, when you're picking a mid-pricer, that the low time on ground just adds an element of variability. Like when he's out there, he's got to be on. Like he has yeah. to be scoring big when he's got that time. Yeah. When he's off, obviously he can't score points. So it, it would only take like a, <laughs> one one quiet quarter. Yeah. For him not to have the opportunity to make that back up. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that's not to say that he can't be a big pick, but and this is the other question, I guess, is a lot of people will be asking how many of those mid-price guys in the midfield can you start? Yeah, it can is you an start interesting two question. Or three. 
All four. Can you start all four, Luke? Mike, well, the way LDU played bloody an hour ago, maybe we'll, we'll be looking down. But this is an interesting one for the comments, I think, because a yeah, lot of people... How many of these guys are you starting between those mm. four? Um, I think there is a world where you can start three of them. I think I'm going to be at least starting two of them. I think you want to go at least two, personally. I think they all have a world where they're going to go up, and if they don't work, one of the other guys will, so you can pivot. I think two's a sweet spot, but three might also be the world if you do really like what you saw from Matt Crouch. Uh, and maybe an Amon as well. Let's keep moving along. Laird yep. and Dawson, uh, the way I counted it, especially those first three quarters, the last quarter, they definitely sat more on the bench. But the first three quarters, they had maybe one or two rotations forward, but were pretty much pure inside mids. So yep. I like those two guys. Um, there was a big few quotes about Laird playing forward. I'm not worried about that one. I still think he's going to be fine. Um, so, yeah, are you no real dramas on Laird or Dawson there? Are they someone players that might feature in your team, depending on how you want to structure up? Yeah, potentially. Maybe more Dawson now I love than Dawson. Laird. Yeah. He's such a gun. So, so good to watch, but we, we do have to keep moving on. Otherwise, we're going <laughs> to okay, go keep going. two hours. Elliot Yo's role looked good, yep. tackled well. My question, though, is, is West Coast still going to be so shit that it's going to limit his ceiling and potential value? Because um, they might just not get enough ball. Um, yeah, 81 on nine tackles is... Is probably we want him a, to go ninety, probably. You do, we? and nine tackles. As much as he is a tackling beast, nine tackles is, is not going to be. No one's going to average nine tackles, so but he's going. You know, he's going to have more he'll touches. Do that yes. every second game, I would have assumed. But. He hasn't left the Oxongs, put it that way. But he he also hasn't filled me with a heap of confidence. But I mean, this is a tough thing. We don't get another look at him, so um, it's uh, it's really going to be dictated by what we see from other people in yeah. round zero. I personally think I've seen enough, um, especially with a few other question marks. Like, I would have him ahead of a Jordan Clark, I think, still at this stage. Okay. So, um, no early buy. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that leap, I think, unless he bloody pinks his hammy between now and start of round one. Knock on wood. <laughs> um, still sitting... Oh, and actually, he's down to my D5 at the moment. So, he's out yep. of that cursed D4 spot. I'm, Excellent. I'm, a few people will be who happy have, to know. Who have you got there? Just full transparency. Who's... who's- Getting Jordan Clark. Oh, <laughs> so he's he's screwed. Um, and I don't think there's any reason for people to panic on Harley Reid. Some people were worried about his scoring last week. Yeah, never left my side. I think let's just all chill out. He's he's going to be fine. West Coast are not going to let him. Oh, they have perform. too much at stake. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. so if if at any point he's not getting enough peel or he has a bad game, they're going to go. You go out and do whatever the fuck you do, want, Harley. Do, and they'll tell me, everyone else, get him the ball. Yeah, exactly. otherwise, our, the, the, the memberships are going like to spiral. So. We're going to be in the spotlight. So he's the only thing really going for them this season. So they'll make sure that he has at least a decent rookie season. Poor young kid too. Everything the commentators said, I think there was a piece of commentary at the end of the game where it was like, well, West Coast season's in shambles, but at least they've got the great hope, Harley Reid. <laughs> this this, this poor bastard, is, yeah. he's got the hopes of a, a whole state weight on his shoulders. So. On guy. But in fantasy terms, uh, I said we were going to talk on rookies, but don't worry about him. Don't, uh, yeah, don't panic. Let's talk about Hawthorne versus Bulldogs. Yeah. And this is very interesting because I watched the first half of this game and then I went to the movie, saw a great movie in Dune Part 2. Go and check it out. Um, <laughs> Giant... You, you getting kickbacks? Or? No, but fuck, it was a good movie. Um, Giant Newcomb. Talk to me because I checked my phone after the movie and saw this score and I went, oh, okay. Yeah. 127. It's big. It's big. And What, and he what did was, he look like? Well, he was tracking well at halftime as, as you he, knew he as well. Was, it's not like yeah. he was going poorly, but then he really kicked it up in, in the second half and you know, other people would have been watching as well. But I just felt as though 
he was getting real thirsty on those short 45s, thirst. which is something okay. I, I, Observable don't know, thirst. I don't know if I'd seen from him before, uh, but he was demanding the pill on the short 45s and, and um, his teammates were obliging as well. So he was doing all the things that I think we were, we were hoping and expecting. I think it was enough for me to say, hey, this guy might be ready to take the next step. And especially yep. with Will Day being absent for the first three, at least three I rounds... Think. Um, I think he's going to have to be the big dog in there and that could translate to big dog scoring. Yeah, he is definitely someone that I think if he wasn't on your radar, he should now be. Um, and if he was on your radar, it's definitely a big tick in the right direction. Yep. Whether it's a tick in the right direction enough for you to maybe change some guys that you maybe did like if you want to go a crouch up to him or maybe a butters down to him if, if that spooks you enough. It, it's an interesting price point as well. Like the ninety three, ninety four, I think, where he's priced at. You're wanting him to be a premium mid if yep. you're selecting him there. And the other interesting thing was is that, and I've talked about this before, he is not the tackler that I think I expect and have in my mind, at least from the stats point <laughs> when, of view. When you look at him, he's built like a brick shit. It looks like he should think. average seven tackles a game. <laughs> yeah, but he averaged yeah. four last year, and he did that again in this game. He built his score based on the marks and the disposals. Yeah, he only had three tackles. Didn't have many tackles. Now, in a preseason game, Maybe that's expected because we're not as contested. So could there be even more upside there? But yeah. it is something that the the way in which I kind of envisioned him improving his score was on the back of him getting an extra couple of tackles per game. We didn't see it in this game here, but the scoring is obviously still there. 37 disposals is really good. Um, interesting one. Um, yeah, 30, 37 disposals is, is not something that you look at and think, well, that's going to happen every week. But... He's gone so far and above what we would be hoping anyway that there's... Yeah, like you, I said, if you were if interested, came, big tick. I think so. If he, even if he came out and did a 105, I think people would, who were interested would still go, yeah, that's enough. So if yeah. that he's given a 130, you think, well, he, he has put his hand up. So yeah. um, I'm sure you'll go back and watch the second half of that game. But I will, yes, absolutely. But, uh, let me know your thoughts when you do. Carl Amon uh, led the team in kick-ins and... Um, at least from what I saw in the first half, and you told me this as well, there wasn't as much chip-to-chip action like what we saw at the end of last season for Hawthorne, and he still managed to score a 94. Is that Can we read that as a positive thing for Carl Amon? The other thing we should mention here as well, that Sicily only scored... What did he have? He had a 61 with only four marks there. Yeah, I think... Is that... Are we reading into the fact that maybe Amon's more preferred, or is, could you view it the other way that Sicily's going to get more than what he did today, and that eats into that scoring? Um, I, I think Amon's probably going to be the preferred distributor. Just Sicily's going to be a selfless team guy at the end of the day, I think, as well. He, he can pick it up when it's required of him, but he can also then go and play accountable, which I think might be required of him more often this year as well. Yep. The Carl Amon thing is interesting too. I think Hawthorne will play a, like a, a quicker game style, which won't lend itself to massive mark numbers. But I think there are going to be situations throughout the year that demand... Um, a little bit of waxing, and I think Carl Amon's probably going to average more than four marks a game. Um, if I was a betting yeah. man, I'd probably take the overs there. So, um, 94 on just the four marks, and he obviously had the monopoly on the kick-ins for the most part there. Um, I, I think that I would be seriously considering it if Nick Martin didn't do what he did, and I don't know if I'm going to yeah. pick two guys that I'm well, expecting. Well, this is the thing. How many, how many of these half-back types... Go away, Siri. Not even uh, Siri understands. Yeah, Siri doesn't know. Um, but how many of those halfback guys can you have with the expectation that a lot of us are going to be having a deeper defence line? 
I think it would be I think it'd be pretty arrogant to go Martin and Amon and just go, Well, I'm gonna flick these guys back and it's yeah. all gonna be happy as Larry and everything's yeah. just gonna turn and your out. D five well is Elliot Yo, so you've got all these guys who are six hundred and fifty K plus and yeah. you've got Colby McKercher there who starting to get busy. It's busy. Uh, it doesn't matter if he goes one oh five, but it does matter in terms of like that line moving if he is expected to be a defender versus if he's expected to be a forward. Oh, sorry, mid. The only um, thing it would, I think that it would work in your favour is that right at the moment we don't know where that top eight midfield battle is going to settle. Yeah. And so if you're of the opinion that you want uh, a few weeks to look at which midfielders you want, maybe you could say, well, I'll, I'll pick these guys in the anticipation that they go back and then I've opened up a couple of spots to bring in those performing yeah. mids. I don't know why. But if we talk about those four players, I have him last. Okay. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> I think that I'm just worried about... I mean, like, Scrimshaw also popped in in there and had some kick-ins as well. Um, and uh, maybe I'm just a little bit less certain on the fact that he's going to be a pure half-backer. And they do have a few half-backs there at Hawthorne. Um, but... Yeah, that's more maybe just a gut feel. So if, if someone was really hot on Carl Amon, I wouldn't talk them out of it. Um, there's definitely a world where he scores better than both those mids. Uh, I think I'm pretty confident in going Nick Martin over him. Yes, um, I agree in that sense, yeah. And so if, if you just trust him more so than those midfielders, I, I can easily see that world. So I think those, those final three are sort of pretty close, whereas I have Martin kind of like a bit of a gap ahead of the other other players. Uh, let's talk about some of the younger kids there as well in Cam McKenzie. He only had the four CBAs, but still looked really good in the half that I saw. Yeah. Um, even if it's the mostly wing role with just a little bit of CBAs, is he cheap enough that we just start anyway? Um, because he looked pretty good. Yeah, in my opinion, yes. I think from the eye test, I think he passed as well. So when he went out to that wing, there, there was certainly no... Um, perpendicular head or anything like that. He was still looking to get the footy and, yeah. um, you know, spreading deep into defensive 50 to help out the the defenders and be that link kick as well. So um, for me, he's in there and I'd have to see something else in round zero from someone else, see something good from someone else yes. to go away from him, actually. I think he's definitely in consideration for me. Um, I don't think he's locked in for me, but again, I wouldn't talk anyone out of it. I don't see myself going with this next guy in Huss Wait. Yep. He, he looked good in that first half, but I was surprised to see, or at least that first quarter, he dominated. Had 32 points in it, but in quarters two and three, he had six and then nine in those two quarters mm. combined. So um, it's to me, as a mid-only, when we're talking about so many of these other value options there, it's, it's too awkward of a price for me. So I don't think I'm going to be going there and starting him. Are you, I know you're a bit hot, are you? Ruling him out? Or yeah, still... I've, I've definitely liked the role that I've seen over the last couple of weeks. Um, even watching that second half, there there were quite a few instances, and I think it's because I was watching him so closely that the, the you know the kick just didn't quite like hit him, and he missed out points. on a plus six, yes, or, yep. or the tackle just didn't quite stick, and those are things we go, oh well, you know, am I looking too closely and and looking for things that I want to find? Um, but the the awkward price definitely is the kicker, I think, and probably the reason why I don't think I'll end up going there either. Yeah, fair enough. Let's talk about the Bulldogs. Bont English still top of their game. Uh, English is still the number one pick and draft for me personally, despite people loving uh, Rowan Marshall. We don't really need to talk about them much. James Harms. Yep. Um, we haven't talked about him too much no. on the podcast, but he is getting some love out in the community. He had some CBAs, but also played high half forward. Mm. What are your thoughts on James Harms? I, I mean, I haven't brought him up on the podcast because I don't see much of a ceiling for him. Um, but do you see it differently? Well, I think you only sort of need him to do, let's say, 80 
mid-80s would be nice. He's priced at... Uh, let me just double-check that one. He's priced at 70, 70.5. So, yeah, oh, just over 70. So, he probably needs to go, what, 85? Yeah, I think so. 80s. And there's actually... You know, as much as we talked about the forward line being just so dire at the Quite start a few of the season, put in the hand up. well, there's a few options that are reasonably cheap as well. So mm. he hasn't been someone that's come into the calculations. And you mentioned the ceiling before as well. Even though he is going to get some of that CBA time, I know that the the Bulldogs midfield is just this fountain of points. It's like the the never ending points. It is, thing. yeah. But I also think that at some point there's going to be someone who can't score. A hundred yeah. and um, so Harms is he's had this very role before in a Melbourne Demons team yeah. where he gets like thirty percent and he's his ceiling for his career I think is that low eighties mark. Um, I think I saw a ninety in there. Let me fact check. D- that, double but, check that. But yeah. you're right in saying that the Bulldogs midfield is more friendly for points. But you've also got Bont, Libba, yeah. Trelaw, English, who's going to still play as basically a fourth midfielder. They're going to get all those points and cheaper ball first. He's he's a bit more of that harder defensive type and. Um, what's that? Ninety three. Therefore, okay. So you had one season there, twenty nineteen, fair yeah. while ago. But I don't know if if you were keen on him. I don't think it did any harm. He scored seventy seven, which is not nice, eh, any harm. <laughs> good. Up. Got to be cued into myself. Uh, but it's it's still probably not enough. So I don't think he's a bit down the the order for me in terms of those forwards. Nick Caulfield. Um. Like what we saw from him. He didn't score amazingly, but he's also super cheap. 59. I liked what I saw in that first half. He took yeah. a few intercept marks. I think he, I think he's locked into their best team, personally. I think he looked good, yeah. And it, he's actually got a bit of an aerial ability as well. We saw a couple of good defensive... He's a big com- lad. Like, I, bigger than I first expected yeah. as well. But, um, you know, a couple of good defensive aerial uh, contests as well. And then yeah, even, the ability, yeah. even the ability to take some um, one-on-one marks uh, was good too. So, like you said, we only need him to go 60, a little bit Feel of cash. Feel good about his job security after watching that, especially. Uh, and just to round it out, I think uh, Caleb Daniel is in the uh, he's in the doghouse. At the Bulldogs. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, 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 sorry, yeah, no, no, gotcha, sorry, mate. Because he, oh, he didn't play until yeah. what, the third quarter, and then played. The... Is he going to be there round one? It's sketchy. Um, you I'm obviously not... can't go there anymore. Maybe he's been frazzled because he's no longer the shortest player in the AFL. Oh, we did learn that today with uh, <laughs> was Nick, it Watson? Nick Watson? Yeah, yeah. from Hawthorne, far out. But yeah, perhaps he is in the doghouse. He didn't didn't play till you said the third quarter, and then he is, was he still playing that weird half forward? Uh, I, well. I didn't I, see this one, but yeah, 33 points suggested it. I mean, it I mean in be. half, but but yeah, um, rule him out. Line through, I think, for yep, him. I Not think so too. I was ever really considering it, but uh, and drop him down your draft board, I think, as well. Yeah. All right, let's go into the final game here. Longest podcast of the preseason, I reckon. North Melbourne versus St. Kilda. And I just had to put this one in, in there. The fish. The fish. Let's go. And he is a thirsty, thirsty fish, He was mate. looking like a fast little fish. What's a fast fish? Uh, he was looking like a barracuda. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> barracuda? A marlin? I don't know. Yeah, marlin, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, this guy good. led the scoring, I think, for North Melbourne. Uh, tunned up, I believe. Had 36 yeah. touches. So, he's a lock, right, surely? Yeah, I, I think so. I think that he's dispelled any... Potential. Awareness. Mm. You know, you know what's good about fish as well. Mm. Short memories. Oh, so, nice. Forgotten about his hamstrings. That's that's smart by completely him. Completely forgotten yeah. about him. He's Lack not aware of, of them anymore. <laughs> yeah. So he's um, yeah. 
Good yeah, call. I think, I think he's locked into my side. Uh, yeah. I don't know what more you could really expect from him. Do you want to do your, your fish impersonation? No, or? I do not. Okay. <laughs> I will pass on that one. We'll save that. I'll get a bit um, of uh, behind-the-scenes footage for that. Let's talk about the bad, though. Um, mm. LDU. Oh, my goodness gracious me. Back to LD useless in this game. Um, <laughs> we, we don't... Like, we don't want to look too much at score in these games for, for these kind of players, but we want to look 38? at role. <laughs> 38? 38, you have to notice that score because the role was good. He only missed sort of the latter half of the fourth quarter when they yeah, put him on he, ice. he sat down in the second half, like the last half of the final quarter. I know but he was in there a fair bit. I know he's not going to give away eight free kicks every game or whatever Oh, he gave away a shit ton, but... 38 is 79% tog. Like, and what were his CBAs? highest of the team, 19. Oh my goodness, 38. Um, That's enough to scare you off. But 38. I, like, I, this is another player <laughs> that has not moved yeah. from my team all preseason, and he dishes me this. But we'll, we won't start with him, and he'll go back-to-back. Like This will turn a lot of people it. off as yeah, well. Myself included, this, probably. This will, he will now be quite unique, which is even more scary when you see a score like this. And maybe it is a him to a Newcomb or him to an Ollie Wines or something like that that mm. you do. You did mention that that particular game that we just watched was quite a low stoppage game. Oh, it looked it will look nothing like that in the pre in the, in the actual season. So these are the kind of things that where we say, well, are we jumping at shadows if it's if if the tackle numbers and the and the stoppage numbers are going to double? But is it normal? <laughs> is it is it the fact that they're playing faster? Yeah, look, it could well be. Th- 38 is very scary. It's gross. Because, because it shows, I think it shows a flaw. It definitely does. And, Even and there's, there's been people like the great man Selby himself who said he's a better footballer than a fancy football player. He's better than 38, um, but... He's better than 30. Obviously, he's not going to be getting 30, but it's like you're paying oh, for man. him to be a premium. Um, you are. And... Jeez, oh, I want to pick him because I don't want to have to change my whole midfield mix as, like that's been sitting there the whole time. Well, is it just... But, uh, am I, you're going to look like an idiot if you start him anyway and he comes out as a shit pick and you just go back and go, dude, he scored a 38. Why the fuck did you start this guy? Um, yeah, and, in, and then in the opposite, if you, if you um, don't start him and he scores well, then everyone's going, oh, you overreacted. The role, the role to, was there. You yeah, overreacted. Yeah, you know, it, yeah, like you can't win. So I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to just... <laughs> this is I'm a really gonna, tough one. I'm going to think on that one for a little bit because... Uh, so, well, if I'm you I'm leaning just, to... to Giving him the boot after that, I reckon. What if you went him to Newcomb? But that, that to me then is like a if you've been committed to LDU. You're not even making much cash going from him to Newcomb. Like they're similar price. Yeah, well, that's that's. I'm not talking about it as a cash yeah. grab. I'm talking about it as like a well, a, Newcomb fucking yeah. looked good and yeah. LDU scored yeah. 38. But uh, let me just sleep on that one, perhaps. So I don't. That's a react. tough one. But I'd imagine he is going to be dropping in ownership very quickly after yep. that performance. Um, Tristan Jerry was also another one that maybe was a little bit underwhelming. I'm a little bit more forgiving for him here. He also gave away several free kicks. He uh, at least managed to get to a 68, which is above his price. Yeah. <laughs> um, so low stoppage. When you talk about yeah, low stoppage. Uh, St Kilda was a, the lowest stoppage team I think last <laughs> season anyway, and in a game like this in a preseason matchup. It was Were they the lowest stoppage show? team? Yeah, and was, Roma was, was as good as he was. That's yeah, impressive. Um, so I think that that's okay. Um, and again, we talked about Grundy being underwhelming before. Yeah, this will be an interesting decision for people if they do want to lock in a Max Gorn going a Grundy or a Cherry because you will get another look at Grundy. Whereas this is the last we'll see of Tristan Cherry. Um, I don't think it changes my mind too much on him um, based on this game. It probably I would have liked to see more, but I'm not too discouraged. What about Tom Powell? 
he's an interesting one in this game. Yeah, because we we were sitting there in the first quarter thinking, wow, this role looks good. It looks this, great. This guy's, you know, around that 500k mark. I Option think I had him in my team for 10 forward. minutes. Yeah, yeah. And then, but this is the, this is the thing is, I, I have to think that it coincided with Simkin um, getting concussed, uh, him moving out, because it, it almost seemed immediate yeah. after that, that fact that when Will Phillips, Phillips came, came on for the first time, they, they almost said, okay, well, Phillips is only going to play midfield. So, yeah. Powell, you go park yourself on a half forward flank or whatever it was. So, that again, we don't get another look at North we Melbourne. Don't, it makes yeah. it very difficult. Is it a case of if, say, Jai Simpkins there and Powell's not named? Oh, and sorry, Phillips, and is, Phillips named. is named. Not named. Can we can we launch into or, it? It's risky. It's super risky, but it's. Um, I think that would have to come along with some sort of wording from the coach or something coming yeah. out of the club. If if I if that came along with something else, then I think I could potentially. North play on the Saturday. Against GWS. Against GWS. So I'm just thinking in terms of rolling lockout, how many would that change your structure and things like that? It might. There's only three games before them, so maybe you still have a bit of movement and fluidity. And it depends who the players are. So, like Hawthorne, if you've got a McKenzie, he's going to be. Yeah, locked away. He's locked away beforehand. Um, You've got Sydney with James Jordan and stuff like that. Someone like. Billings is not going to be. No, Billings will still be available, but yeah, it's it's an awkward sort of time. So. It, it probably lends itself more to a player that you watch and if he pops in round one or two, you trade into him. Yeah. Um, but like you, I really liked what I saw in that first quarter and I thought he did look good even though the scoring definitely dried up. Um, so even if he doesn't start my team, I'll keep us? an eye on him. I, I think it was like a 60 or something like that. Um, yeah. If you want to fact check me there. We're not quite enough, is it? Um, but yeah, one to at least keep an eye on in the season proper. Um, I think... He could have a potential to break out. Um, and I definitely think he's a better player than Will Phillips. So he has a potential to be that third guy in the stoppages and CBAs there. George Wardlaw, he had that pure inside role, started yeah. on the bench, um, tackled like a madman, mad had more, more tackles, tackles and touches. than touches. 12, um, 12 tackles, 10 touches. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's like, a bad, oh, it's a, probably a bad thing. It's like a bit of a Matty Rao kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Is that- it probably levels out, doesn't it? He's not going to have twelve touches a game, but he's not going to have ten disposals. He's going to have yeah. more than that. Yeah. So, um, does that hurt or help his chances for your team? Well, he's gone an eighty there, but again, it's an awkward price bracket to be shopping in the midfield. Uh, Talk about as the well. stoppages, though. He would definitely he, he certainly help would. with more. Yeah, but I, I think if you if you say okay, well, he's going to have more stoppages, then most people go, oh, that that's good, more tackles. But twelve tackles is already, he's already had 12, you know, yeah. out of the box. So, yes, okay. All right, I, I think I don't think I'm going to be starting him because I like those high price guys a bit better. You pick the um, high price guy, and if Wardlaw for whatever reason goes bananas, you drop down, down, down so. to him. Talking about the Saints, Naziah Wayne Miller, I liked what I saw from him. You would expect that after that just shit bloke of a uh, late hit on Jai Simkin that Webster is going to be gone for a long time. So mm. I think you've got a halfback going out of the side. There was an interview during the game as well with Sinclair that did not fill us with confidence the fact that he's going to be there round one. Is Nazaya? Yeah, I mean, I know it's only one or maybe two games, but is that enough to boost him up a little bit for someone who's young and maybe got a bit of upside anyway? Yeah, maybe a tense pinch, especially if he was someone you already had in your calculations. It, it certainly wouldn't hurt. I think Sinclair, what you're referencing is Sinclair mentioning the, the five-day five break day to yes. round two and that suggesting that maybe that means he doesn't play round one. So yeah. um, I wouldn't be... If you weren't going to pick... 
uh, Wanganin Miller, and then Sinclair's given one sideline interview. You're not going to change, yeah. but yeah, it might strengthen if you thought you were going to pick him anyway. Yeah, it might just be that thing to get you over the line. Um, Riley Bonner, any interest? He's the guy that I was maybe thinking about before in terms of homes. He's that 400k. Uh, player 463, another one that played off halfback and looks likely to get DPP. I think it's a risky pick and classic, but draft up in draft. Yeah, definitely went up. Um, and I don't think, especially with Sinclair gone, he'll probably get hurt when he comes back. Yeah. Um, Jack Steele, yeah. did you like what you saw from him? Uh, he he did exactly what we wanted LDU to yeah, do. It yeah. was he had the good role. It was a low scored stoppage enough. game, but he scored sort of just under ninety, I think it was in yeah. the end. So he's the oh, third so guy that hasn't left my team, and he won't leave my team. So yeah. I feel confident having him there. Yeah, Butters and LDU. Those other two Back guys to his tackling that best as well. More, um, yeah, I, I will note that the the fade didn't look quite as fresh this week. Um, <laughs> it's so out a bit. make sure you just tidy that up before round one there, Jack, because um, I reckon you score better when it's a nice, fresh, clean fade. The boys always have it ready to go round one. And Rowan Marshall did his best uh, impersonation of Selwood in this game where he got <laughs> strapped up a few times, went off a few times with a blood rule, but um, had a, a decent game. So um, he didn't score excellent. What did he actually score in this one? Um, trying to find... He still went 100. There. Did he? Yep. Oh, Jesus. Okay, he must have picked it up late. So, yeah, great game from him. Only 12 um, hit-outs to anyone 100, so... That's that's how he does it, mate. He's a beast. That's, yeah, a eight boost. Mark, five tackles. So, he just kind of did his thing. So, that is the end. Like we said, oh, we've got goodness. so many other things to talk about in the next podcast where we will go through our rookies. Yep. Um, thank you very much, guys, for sticking with us. Lots to still consume between now and the start of uh, round one. Make sure you give this podcast a big like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell and... Stay tuned. Make sure if you haven't, go over to our round one live show. There is a landing page on our YouTube channel and in the description of this podcast that you can go give that big thumbs up. Let's get to 100 thumbs up, uh, 150 even, so we can have a banger of a show. It will be a big one. Bring your beverage of choice and take work off. Mark in your calendars. See you guys next time. Bye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.